Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Yeah. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. We in Outshine. Bitcoins, we got them. Acquire, never sell. But catch us rolling deep like Adele. Bitcoin, blockchains, cryptocurrencies. Three guys faded talking Bitcoin, no fee. That's the free Bitcoin podcast, insane. And adoption is still the only thing, thing, thing that matters, man. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bitcoin podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Episode 233, I'm your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number two, Demet- oh, excuse me, D- Demteric. 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 <laughs> I'm host number three, Dr. Corey Petty. What up? How's uh, Thanksgiving? Busy. I'm very hungover. Yeah, I know. Let me tell you something about brining a turkey for 24 hours. If you're not doing that, you're not doing Thanksgiving right. Can you Point explain that? Period. What is that? Uh, there's there's all I, kinds I, of I recipes, all kinds of recipes that exist. There's a water per pound ratio. There's seasoning per pound ratio. It all depends on what you want to do. The bottom line is you soak that mofo for 24 hours straight. It's basically like a marinade, but it's high in salt content. And it pulls water out of the turkey and replaces it with your salt and seasonings. So then when you cook it, it's just moist. And delicious, not dry. No one's complaining, like, oh, this turkey's so nasty. It's just just succulent. All of it. The dark meat, the white meat, it's amazing. Hey, you put it in a bucket, pour it with water, put salt, mm-hmm. uh, a couple uh, orange slices in there, and let, that sh- let it soak for a while yeah. in the fridge. If you came here to learn about crypto, tough shit. You're learning about how to yeah. brine a turkey. Yeah. This is not that kind of show. All right. This is Thanksgiving. <laughs> We're talking about turkey. Now, happy thanks, happy belated Thanksgiving to everyone. Who's For all you Americans out there, I, it's becoming like, painfully obvious how much the rest of the world doesn't care about Thanksgiving. Working for status because it's yeah, just, but it's I, just, I, I like, things that. are moving and no one cares. Like, oh yeah, that that y'all have that thing. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, rest of the world. We give you a nice, friendly middle finger because Thanksgiving is the bomb and you should have one of your own. But I'm pretty sure they do. They just don't like it. Wait, mo- most people that work in status aren't in the States? No, I'm, there's like three of us that live in the States. Oh, jeez. Damn, so you more- can't even, you're not even going to be able to have fun in July next year. Uh, what? Celebrating America's freedom. I'll do that. Bunch of what you- I'll-, <laughs> I'll do that. There's no, there's no reason I'm not going to do that. Oh, yeah. But you can't, like, bond with anyone over it at your company. Well, that, I, I'm just, there's a lot of Americans that work for status. They just don't live in America. Oh, okay. Y'all are on your James Bond shit. Okay, I get it. I get it. Okay. Well, do we, we don't have any sponsors, right? We do not. Hey, if you want to sponsor <laughs> right, us, we... hit us up at uh, sponsor at thebitcoinpodcast.com. Yeah, the Is markets that a are. Thing or did you ripe? just make that up? I just made that I up, but I'll make it a though. thing by the time this airs. 
hopefully. <laughs> Maybe. Or, or do you try, and if that doesn't exist, then you'll never get an answer. But you can try. <laughs> or just hit up hit up the contact the contact box yeah. on the website. Um, uh, the, the markets are very ripe for sponsorships. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, so let's we we should talk about that a little bit. The prices is dropping significantly. I'm not going to say any of anyone predicted that or anything on several podcasts that he went on in the recent history um, or anything, but maybe somebody did say that that was going to happen. And his name rhymes with Bometric. Yeah, and his name rhymes with Bometric, but it starts <laughs> with a D. Anywho, Cello, how are you feeling over there? Uh, you feel like you're further away from their moon, Lambo? No, I feel good, man. Like crypto Twitter is so optimistic, though. It, like it's like painfully bad because you know they're hurting, but they're they're trying to give you like words of wisdom and words of encouragement. They hang in there, and I was like, man, people don't need that. Let me get out of here. Mm-hmm. We're definitely. I already told you guys that uh, crypto will not survive like a two and a half year winter. So I hope it gets better. Why don't you think so? Well, I mean, it's ha- the winters happen for like what? Two months and and everything's doom and gloom. Imagine well, we're definitely two and a half years. The, the trees are being shaken. That's for sure. You're, <laughs> we're seeing CEOs leave projects that we interviewed a, a couple of years ago, and just like they're yeah. like, I'm out. You know, like when you watch the Oscars and they have the in memoriam of like the actors that have died that year. You could do that with CEOs in the space. Like they're just gone. CEOs and CMOs. And you're CEO-O. definitely seeing who got in for money and who got in for tech right well, now. You're gonna, there's nothing wrong with getting in for money. No, not at all. But, but like, that they're not going to stay. They're not going to stay, though. Yeah. No. The. No, D's microphone went to shit, so I'm not talking to him anymore. But like, you know, very few people are going to get out of bed for something that they're truly passionate about and don't care about the money. I mean, if you didn't care about money, you would be retired. You know what I mean? So, ninety naturally, ninety nine percent of the CEOs in the space did it because they had the foresight to get it on this gold mine or the wild west in the 2017s or they just don't have money to continue operating like they yeah. they can't like they would they would like to but they literally can't afford to anymore it's a mixture of people that didn't know what the hell they were doing and people who can't afford to keep doing what they were doing yeah i think that's a good way to put it um so i mean in if this continues for two and a half years i would declare crypto like dead in the water there's a reason why we keep chugging along all these years is because we have no overhead (laughs) yeah right like if we had operating costs if we like was it expensive to run this podcast we wouldn't be around yeah we don't have not a lot of money no we have that we have it covered yeah we could do one barbecue fundraiser and be set for years like hey Corey, why don't you just go slow cook some brisket and then we'll sell sandwiches at a grocery store. We'll be set for years. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much oh. the case. <laughs> we can do a, oh. a bake, a, a, what is that, like a bake good, bake shop, bake show. What are, the things, yeah. what, are, what are those called? Bake sale. Bake sales. You had a hard time with that one. I literally <laughs> couldn't. I had drank a lot last night. But why did this? He, why did the Dallas Super Conference fold? Because I guarantee he could still charge, you know, fifty bucks an entry and still get people to come shill on the stage. Uh, I, think reached, I think the like exuberance for going to the kind of show that he was putting on is gone. Like, so people who are jumping in trying to figure out how to like invest properly and and that's that's 
like oh, from like regular people who are going to pay a thousand dollars a ticket to go to a show and figure out how to how to put their money appropriately that's gone he just wasn't yeah. building a developer conference or like real knowledge from the, from well, the majority of like he he was in it for money that's all there is to it well let's talk about like when do you think that would happen with like devcon like if we just kept talking about web 3.1, 3.2, and sharding 2.0 and 3.0, but nothing ever gets released. Do you think people are going to be apprehensive to go start going to DevCons and paying a thousand dollars? If nothing gets no. released, yeah. But like the the amount of change from last DevCon to this con, this DevCon is ridiculously drastic in terms of how much things have moved and the amount of projects that have entered the space mm-hmm. that are doing novel things. And DevCon's gonna fuck around and become that's not, Burning Man. <laughs> yeah, but when will people stop caring about how much things have moved and when are things going to start getting released? Things are being released. Like there's there's releases of Plasma. There's releases of like, well, the Beacon Chain has implementations and projects that are working on those types of things for a 2.0. There's a lot of projects yeah. that have been released and are in the wild. Yeah, Actually, the, the general sentiment of DEF CON was happy. People like being there. So I want to talk about like... The reason why the bear market is good is because it's it, it's a return to the ideologies that power this whole thing. Like, yeah, it's good to make money, but you gotta understand, like, this stuff doesn't work. This stuff's not working because it's a great technology or it's a great like this or that. It's working because it's a great idea. All of it is just a great idea, and ideas are very very powerful things. And that's why dev people like DevCon, because it reestablishes these ideas that like, oh, we can have a decentralized Facebook, whatever the fuck that even means. It's not being built or it is being built, but we can have that or we can own our data. Imagine if we could sell our, our own data as we start to become wiser to what kind of data points we're putting out there. If we could sell our own, like those are grand, grandiose ideas. And that's what powers all of this. And Bitcoin's a grandiose idea. But the thing about it is, like, when you're trying to change money, there's got, there's always going to be a small percentage of winners there than everyone else. What do you like, mean? Think about, uh, oh. think about like, um, my mic just went out. But no, you're good. Back, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> think about the first people that were like, hey, guys, we should use gold as money. And how many people gave them the middle finger? It was probably an unprecedented, overwhelming amount. They were like, look, we've got this seashell thing figured out pretty well. What the fuck are you doing with this gold, this shiny gold shit? Yeah, I mean, it looks cool, but no. You know, and then like the millennia go by and people are like, look, this paper currency is going to be the shit, man. I'm telling you, like gold is hard to move. We just got to use paper. I think it's a long process, but it's still a powerful idea. And getting a return to those ideas is important because the further we get away from that and the more we strip away from that and bastardize it, the less of a chance any of this stands to work. So that's why I'm excited about the bear market. I know it's very cliche to be excited about a bear market and be in the Bitcoin. But I'm happy. I mean, I don't know. My, my, my feelings on whether or not this stuff's going to work out haven't changed. I'm more excited about the technology and its implications. So the fact that the price is so low is kind of cool because I want to throw more money into it for the future. Like, don't get me wrong. I would have liked, yeah. I, I wish I would have sold more when it was at the top so I could 
make drastic changes in my, my, my life immediately now. With more hookers and blow. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> but uh, like, yeah. but I mean, I would, I've been in it for the long haul, right? Like I'm here to see it change yeah. the world and not, not change my pocketbook over the next year. That's and a side effect. Our psyches are very interesting. We're like, I love how low it is when we're literally people that have seen it in the tri- triple digits for the majority of the time we've been in this and we're still saying, Oh man, these prices are so low. So let's go out and get them Sunday, 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 go out and get your crypto. Yeah. Yeah. Thanksgiving sale. Yeah. Go to your nearest expo center and buy some Bitcoins. I'm curious. Like like, what is the sustainable price? Like how low can it go for people to still use it? Uh, so oh, Bitcoin, wow. Bitcoin is different than Ethereum, but drastically in terms of price, in terms of usability. So there's there's no reason to use Bitcoin if it drops below a certain price for for mm-hmm. for some things, right? You can't do, but you still can do multi multi million dollar transfers for like basically nothing when the price goes so low. But it requires so much more Bitcoin. So if you got in early enough, or like if you got in this year, the like. It's it's very very difficult to think about buying a bunch of money now because you think it might still keep going lower and you keep losing money, so you're not going to use it. Whereas like Ethereum is more often than not, those who aren't just buying it and holding it for investment purposes are using it for various things, and that utility isn't isn't going away. It's actually growing. You can still use it for a bunch of things. And if you want to maintain price, like if you want to maintain value, you just put it and die. D-A-I. What about the uh, Bitcoin Cash fork that really Who gives killed... a fuck? Well, I've been <laughs> I've been seeing that like it's like legitimately dead. I don't follow Bitcoin Cash, but I've been seeing that it's like legitimately kind of dead in the water. Well, the Craig Wright one is. Like, I'm pretty sure. I, I want to yeah. say he's actually he may have been ostracized completely from the ecosystem. They yeah, might he bad. may have finally be gone. I hope. I really hope that's the case. But like, which is good. It's really good. I'm curious and to I see think, what happens with Bitcoin Cash. Let's see what happens. Yeah, it's it's going to be a weird moment in history, and a lot of a weird moment in people like Ryan X Charles's history, too. That guy um, was a was a kook from when we first interviewed him in 2016. You know yeah. they you know I, I they interviewed me for a job right. I was going to work with them. Yeah, you were the first user of yours. I was, and probably the last. <laughs> first and last that's right i liked i really really liked the idea of what they started to do and then they just wholesale pivoted i mean i know why they pivoted it's because they got funding to pivot and they capitulated to that funding yeah but i mean I, I just, yeah there's other people who picked up the mantle of what they initially started to do and that's who i like like people like scent Ryan X Charles strikes me as a guy who like curates hentai. Like, yeah. uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> like you, uh, well, I remember you go, his, you go over to his crib and he's like box a hentai porn. connoisseur box of giant box of glowing, glowing porn. Well, I remember, like, I remember talking to him and him, I mean, like, you know, what's, what's the point He's like to get filthy rich. I was like, that's not the point. <laughs> That should never be the point of it. I mean, sometimes it's people's oh, it, point. That's a, it should be a side effect of doing something useful. Yeah. 
I wish opinion. that were always the case, but it's not. No, it's not. There's a lot of people who do things for the sole purpose of making money. That's it. It's all. It's the only reason they're doing anything. Yep. And this, this ecosystem would be drastically smaller though if there weren't promises of Lambos. Let's be real. I mean, this ecosystem is honestly still very small. It's the, those people are trying to come in and drain it of its juice. That's the. I mean, that's yeah. always going to be the allure of it. Nobody's going to come in for sharding. They're going to come in for the promises of riches. Yeah. And when that goes away, then the ecosystem will level off and stabilize. Well, there's, there's going to be investors who are who are making bets on the usability of how all this works and the impact it's going to have for the end users. But I think like the actual end users won't care because they don't see it. They're just doing something. They're just yeah, using an right. app. And like you're starting to see, I think, projects now. It's like the, the the thing of like they didn't get into blockchain for the money. They're using it for the tech, and you don't even see it when you, when you use their app, right? And that's like their that's their marketing campaign is we're doing this <laughs> and we're doing it right, and you don't even see that we're using blockchain. It's just necessary. You don't even know. Yeah. You don't you don't even know. Um, yeah. So you know the um, uh, I don't know if you heard the the Shark Tank interview we did with Bundle, which is basically like the lawnmower app. So they're. I guess one of the market employees isn't like, hey, you can invest your spare change in crypto. It's, hey, you can buy a new pair of J's if you buy enough Starbucks coffee and you have enough Bitcoin and you can cash that Bitcoin in and reward yourself with a new surfboard. So like the even the marketing isn't like, hey, you can get in crypto. It's you, you can get like these um, Chuck E. Cheese tokens. And if you get enough of it, you can cash it in and get this prize. That's, Go ahead. I think that's a dumb that's a dumb enough route to to get towards mass adoption because people don't like like you said in the past like my even my own brother very smart man whole family smart as shit but he didn't get Bitcoin was a thing until I bought something with it and he was like how'd you get that and I was like oh I bought it with Bitcoin he's like oh you can oh so it's real it's not fake money and I was like no it's real and I bought this with it he's like oh that's different. And I think he, knowing him, literally said, like, I can get some J's with that. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> you, you can, actually. And so that's that's something that people need to see. They need to see that. Yeah, but I, but I, you, I, can get, you can get some J's by buying 0.1 Bitcoin, wait two years, and then you can buy 10 J's. That's the allure. That's the, that's the allure of just buying it and not passively yeah. getting it, like something like a like yeah. bundle, right? Yeah, like the allure of just buying it and not using it is that you can sell it for a lot more later. I, ironically, that's you're still thinking in dollars. And the yeah, goal of Bitcoin is to move away from that. At least the original ideological vehicle of Bitcoin was to move away from centrally centrally backed currencies. Yeah. Right. If you look at the lawnmower team, they weren't they that wasn't their route they were just like hey we want more people to get into crypto so here's this acorn app this is how you easily get into crypto this isn't this is this, this like their their allure wasn't this is how you easily passively buy things you didn't realize you could afford yeah yeah mm. <laughs> but i mean as far as pushing this as something that everyday use like it's only going to be a small population of people that benefit from that ubiquitous nature that everybody's talking about what? whether they were it's not going to be a lot of people that benefit if bitcoin ever does become a spend every day everybody's using this kind of currency 
and it has that much purchasing power, there's not a lot of people that are going to get super ultra wealthy from it. Uh, I think bear markets and stuff like this rule that out. There's not a lot of people that can ride those waves. There's not a lot of people that are saying staying in touch. There's a lot more people that were like that are like screw it, I'm selling it or at the top they sold and got out and they're set for life. Like every single time we get one of these cycles, it lessens the percent of people that I think are going to get super ultra wealthy and ha- and maintain a oh, super okay. large. Yeah, I agree. As time goes on, the the amount of people that will get ultra wealthy gets smaller it's diminishing yes. because it's it's just later on in the tech or like further along the adoption curve yes and so i mean that's why i'm excited to be in as early as i am now i think this bear, are. the bear market now based on how i still feel the the like tech can go makes me excited that there is still a chance that there can be another massive bull run because it's so low right now so if i if you if you, you still kind of if you believe in the tech, have a chance to buy in and potentially make a bunch of money if it goes to where we think it can go, or it could literally crash and burn. Like Bitcoin could not exist in the future sometime. Yeah. Well, I mean, if we're if people say we're so early, we're so early, that insinuates that the all time high hasn't even been touched yet. Yeah, that's the that's that's what I'm yeah. saying. Is that that's that's like. But you're not sure of it. I'm not Nobody sure it's going to be called be sure, Bitcoin. Right? Well, you're not even sure about Ethereum all-time high. Oh, I mean, it's, I think it's going to go much higher than it is now. Well, yeah, but will it will it reach two thousand? Will it reach three thousand? Four thousand? I don't. I don't see don't. why it should. I'm really curious I, on how the economics work out for F two point and I think everyone else is. Well, I heard that they're going to put a cap on Ethereum soon. Oh, well, I think those. I think those like the, those decisions haven't been made yet, and that those could drive prices up because this actually becomes more of a scarce thing and so you have to move it around you have basically then it becomes a zero-sum game almost of in order to get ethereum you have to take it from someone else yeah i don't the only way, way i disagree with Corey is that i don't think that it could be something else i think it has to be what it is now and eventually we have to put some anchors in the ground and we have to say this is it this is what it is and this is what we're going to work with. Like, so what Joe said in Slack earlier this week, and he was like, I don't think Bitcoin needs to change. I think it needs to just be, these are the rules that we work with, and that's it. And sometimes that's how life is. And we need to find a way to make it better with what we have, whether that's side chains, whether that's the Lightning Network, whether that's charting. I don't know what it is, but Bitcoin is the root. It's the foundation. That's that's, what we it, that's I what think we it's work. old tech. I think it's 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 not it's not it was the first implementation of something new and novel, and we've learned a lot since its creation. And there's no reason to not upgrade it with our with our new knowledge of how things should work or can work. Yeah, I mean that's very true. However, we're not talking about like building a new web browser here or or building an like yeah. we're, we're yeah, talking we about like we literally are. We're talking about building a new web and then the browsers that access it. That's literally what we're talking about. I'm talking about the money aspect. Well, that's part. That's part of it, right? That's the that's the novelty. Is that scarcity, which can be money, is intrinsically a part of this new web. We're building that, and there's new ways to do it, and we're still learning it. And there's no reason to say, well, first implementation. That's that's all we get. We don't get to try and make it any better. That's fucking stupid. 
There are reasons to say that, though, because when you're talking about monetary policy, when you're talking about decisions that affect millions, scratch that, let me scratch that out, put a B on it, billions of people's lives for decades at a time, you don't change things. Okay, I can see like an ossification of a protocol. You keep them the same so people can build lives, so people can build families. And if Bitcoin is what it is right now, and if we can build offshoots that can add capacity and add all this functionality, like the Lightning Network, like side chains, then we need to work on that and set Bitcoin constant. Bitcoin well, is what it is. Bitcoin needs to be set in a way that can be built on, and it's difficult to do so. Maybe that's the thing, everyone. Maybe that needs to be the next discussion we have. And then ultimately create a fork and we'll call it Bitcoin Cash PQR or whatever fucking acronyms they're going to they're gonna make the next day. Or you <laughs> just, just have, been... you have multiple networks. Like the things that I'm talking about, like the type of innovation and, and technology movement that I'm talking about is more appropriate for Ethereum. And so that could be separate to what Bitcoin is. And I'm, yeah. I'm still fine with a, like a multi-chain a world where we have yeah. different chains for different purposes. Bitcoin can be money and stay ossified so that you can have regulation and you know confidence and you know some some kind of guarantee around it not changing when you get some money into it and hold it there. It could like in order for it to be a storage of value, it needs to be at least semi constant over time. Or yeah. like or or you should be able to make predictions based on what it's going to happen in the future or like some type of semblance of guarantees around that type of thing. If you don't have that, then it can never be a storage of value ever. Yeah. And if you want to have a world money, there needs to be some type of storage of value. Ossified. It's a good word. That means That's something a, like, that means like X-Men villain would say. Mr. Sinister. <laughs> yeah. That's something Mr. Sinister would say. Uh, anyways, um, Interview it's time? good discussion. Yeah, yeah, I think it is a time for that. All right. Um, long time coming. Uh, Shark Tank. Shark, CEO of Civic, Mr. Vinny Lingham. Here it is. Hey, guys. This week we are here with uh, Vinny Lingham, an internet entrepreneur who is the co-founder and CEO of Civic an identity protection and management startup. Of course, he's one of the prominent figures in the space, and we realized he hasn't been on the show before, so we were just checking this off our podcast bucket list. Vinny, thank you, sir, for being here. Well, my pleasure. Glad to be on someone's bucket list. <laughs> yeah. For those that like kind of don't know who you are, how about a, a very quick overview of your claim to fame in the space and kind of what you're currently building out? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of like one of the you know, like OGs, old school gangsters, been in the Bitcoin space since late 2012, early 2013. Um, you know, I think Claim to Fame would be our started gift, which was at one stage the biggest um, gift card um, platform out there for, and, you know, obviously Bitcoin was the primary payment method. So we enabled Bitcoin users back in the days of 2013 to spend their Bitcoins at, you know, 55,000 physical stores in the US. So it was quite, it was quite a big deal. Gathered a lot of a lot of major market data from that. So for me, it was more about, um, um, you know, I would say, like how what are the use cases for what are the use cases for for Bitcoin? What are the use cases for um, you know this this new transactional currency as a as a, a way of bridging the you know for me it was like a bridge to online payments right instead of using credit cards and 
all the other paymakers that are, that are rorting fraud and putting the, the onus of fraud protection on the merchants, what you wind up doing in, in the Bitcoin is you wind up, you know, making a, a bearer, a bearer sort of item, a bearer bond. <laughs> um, and so whoever has the coins you know, has the money. And so you can't have a situation where you have online fraud and, and because there's no chargebacks, et cetera. So that was the, the angle we took with, with Bitcoin and how we could use it as a retailer. It did very well. I, I worked with BitPay and a couple other you know, people in the space back then to try and get more merchant adoption. And I think it was growing very well. And, you know, eventually, um, you know, Bitcoin was used everywhere. But then we, you know, we hit the block size limit. We had the big debate last year. And that's kind of where I, where I sort of disagree with, the, with the, the long-term view and vision of where Bitcoin is going in terms of not being a transactional currency, but a store of value, which hasn't really played out well in the past year. Um, but, you know, we can probably discuss that in detail later on. Yeah, I mean, you know, up front, this, this podcast, we barely talk about the price. We barely talk about the markets in general, but you're, you're a very informed person. You're, you're a wise business pioneer of the technology. What are, what are your thoughts over and like overview of this bear market in Q4 2018? Is it strengthening the survivors? Is there nothing to worry about if we just look at the patterns of the past? I mean, this is a critical point. So is this, is it good, bad? You know, what are your thoughts? Well, look, I mean, I'm obviously a, a, um, a partner at Multicoin Capital. It's, a, it's you know, one of the bigger crypto hedge funds, and so I have a lot of data insight from the from the market, from the, the team there. And um, you know, I, I can tell you now from my like, and I won't speak on behalf of Multicoin personally. I've been saying this for a year. Like, you know, the bigger the party, the bigger the hangover. And we had a big party last year. We had the price of Bitcoin rising for no real reason other than just pure speculation. And there's no real utility. We have a block size limit, so the transactions are capped. And so. It's just a, it's a weird situation where people want the price to go up just because it goes up, and there's this delusional sort of store of value hypothesis that which everyone has to buy into. Now it may be true in the long term, but in the short term, I just I just don't buy it, and that's just me. I personally don't buy it. I think it's I think it's just you know we're fooling ourselves to believe that technology doesn't have to have a use case other than hodling. Um, but you know if the community wants to believe that, if, you know people are free to believe whatever they want to believe. The, unfortunately, gravity and economics will always weigh in at the end of the day. Um, so I, I don't think the bear market is, I, I, like I said about a month ago, um, this is just the start of crypto winter. Like this is the fall. Okay. Winter hasn't begun yet. You know, I, I've been saying this for quite a while and um, in terms of like the majority of the price rise recently was due to pure speculation and a lack of utility. And since we didn't have that utility, the, volatil the volatility of all of this was just running rampant. Is all built on irrational exuberance, and I don't really see anything happening for a long period of time until we build the utility. But what that utility is, what we call it, and what it looks like, I'm not quite sure. Do you have any insight as to what, um, like the use cases or the utility will be in the future? Is it just going to be pure money? Is it going to be a bunch of other things? Well, well, the thing is, is the utility that they've, you know, I mean, for this podcast, I think it's, I think, you know, the, the, the user, the, the listeners should actually uh, keep in account the following that that. The reason, I suppose, I suppose myself especially, the reason I and many others fought about you know, utility was that um, you, know, you, you can't have a situation where this, where this currency, so to speak, has been used um, as a store of value and no one's actually using it. Because then you're relying on people and markets to form around it. And, and those markets don't need to be liquid at all, um, which is the problem we have right now. So when you have excess sellers in the market, there's no one to hold the price up. So this is the this is the issue. Um, you know, hodling doesn't get new people to buy in because what happens is the people who bought in early benefit from the price rise. The people who get in late 
you know, get the pain of buying at 20,000, now it's down at five. And if you look at the transaction volume of Bitcoin, it's dropped, right? And because of this limit, this artificial limit on block size on, on, on transactions, now, yeah, we can argue SegWit opens it up, but SegWit's taking time to be adopted. It just slowed down the whole industry. I mean, merchants stopped using Bitcoin, the fees spiked to 50 bucks transaction. It, you know, and, and look, again, I'm not going to pass judgment. Like the, the, the community's view at this point was it's a store of value. It's not a transactional currency. Let's not try to use it to buy coffees. And so be that as it may, that's the view, then that's fine. So we shouldn't use it for coffees or gift cards or small volume transactions, which is what gift is doing. Um, you know, and so let's see what happens. And I think the experiment so far has been, you know, been true to form is that, you know, if people stop using Bitcoin, where's the demand to buy it going to come from? Uh, you know, you can't expect everyone to have the delusional belief that a store of value comes from something that you hold. I mean, some some people say it's Bitcoin is old, that the technology is old, and that and that it's it's quite limited in its use case, and so money isn't good enough. No, but some, it's good. No, Bitcoin is great. Like the technology around Bitcoin is, it might be old, but it's still rock solid. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Bitcoin technology. It's better payment. It's a better payment rails than anything else I've seen so far. It's better than Ethereum, better than anything, and, and it really is solid. The problem is you just can't have this transactional cap, and so the the, the view that we have to centralize. Bitcoin to the nth degree and 7 billion people need to be able to run nodes in the world is kind of ridiculous. And that's really what's being asked of the community is like everyone should be able to run a node. One megabyte is a joke, right? Like your photographs on your, on your iPhone are 25 you know, megs a piece at least. So one megabyte blocks, you know, even if we went up to two to four to eight, like the centralization that would be one or two percent. So it's not major centralization. There's still enough nodes and enough miners out there that you wouldn't have a centralized coin. I mean, it's, it's way, Bitcoin is obviously very, very decentralization focused, but to what ends, right? And, and so if you start hampering the, and look, what's done is done. And now we pay the price of whether or not the, the huddle forever strategy is going to work and mm-hmm. whether this has become a store of value. So like, I'm not going to go on being the bush and saying, well, we should have changed things. Or it's too late now. It's like, it's done. Let's see what, let's see how things play out. No, well, I would, I wholly agree with the fact that like one megabyte's ridiculous. Moving it up is, yeah. is, the, is, is is a good path forward. But we've seen that it's quite difficult to get things done at the infrastructure level of of the, of the protocol level of Bitcoin. How do you move forward with that? Like, is, do you see that difficulty changing? I mean, yeah, we took a lot of that left when we had the Bitcoin BCH fork, um, but it's still difficult to get things done, even with the people who left over in, in, in Bitcoin and the, I guess, more unified mindshare associated with bitcoin how do you move forward with that well i mean i don't think it's i don't think it's it's possible to move forward uh, and that's why the community split i mean i was hoping we didn't split i was hoping we all stuck with one coin and, and my whole you know like i think the position i took last year is when we couldn't agree let's just keep the status quo let's not activate segwit let's not this is whatever but then you know things uh things are out of control and now we have you know two or three coins now and i mean guys it is what it is but i, I just can't see how this how the thesis behind this um, store va- the store value hypothesis for me is is bullshit unless it's built upon transactional usage. So I, I believe it's, I, would, I believe it works if there's transactions to, to 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 govern it. Otherwise, I don't get it. Like, why would we just you know uh, huddle and never mind and never do transactions? Like, it, it's just weird. It's weird. It's weird for me to talk about it. I just don't understand it. Maybe it was, it's maybe it's just beyond me, and that's fine. I think the only value with store value is if there if the infrastructure is built to offload it into things that are useful, and so you need that you need that utility in order to move it around or make it make it or turn the value into something else if you're storing it somewhere else. So, like, it, it's not one without the other. 
you can't just have store value by itself. It needs to move into something and the infrastructure needs to be there Then everyone using it so that they're moving it from a storage of value elsewhere. If it's just a storage of value and no one's using it, then it's not value, if that makes any sense. But how do you build that infrastructure? It's, it's a chicken or the egg kind of problem. Do you just build the utility and the value comes with it? Um, well, infrastructure was there. We had you know all the major merchants in the world using Bitcoin. We had you know it was it was like hundred thousand merchants, people were using it every single day. It was great, and then the fees skyrocketed and, and it scared the crap out of people. So no one wants to take a chance on using Bitcoin as a, a way to send money around the world cheaply and, and you know super like super cheap transactions. Now you know, do, do I think Bitcoin Cash is going to be the winner in the space? I, I don't know. I mean, I can't say Bitcoin Cash has got so many other issues. It's only worth going into it right now. Uh, and, and, and the conflicts are great, but like, yeah, if it resolves itself and, and there's one sort of, con uh, there's a competitive Bitcoin, which is transaction. Look, I, I think that for me, if you want, if you want money, global money, it needs to be cheap transactions and it needs to be uh, high volume and very liquid so people can get into and out of it easily. And Bitcoin is, is definitely liquid, but the transactions are not cheap and, and they are cheap right now, but they're not reliably cheap. So you, you can't bank them and be cheap in the future. So trying to, Disrupt Visa, Mastercard, Amex isn't really going to happen with Bitcoin at the moment, not with the current sort of mindset behind it. And Lightning was supposed to be ready in 18 months. It's been 18 months. Where's Lightning? It's not ready. That's true. And then there's also something that that's, people have been clamoring about, which is like the ETF stuff and Switzerland finally greenlit the world's first ETF to be listed next week. Maybe this might encourage the SEC to allow an American ETF. I mean, when I think about the USA, if they want to be left behind, I don't know. Leave them, right? I mean, they can all their regulations and shove them down the throats of their own people. But the rest of the world's moving forward, not backwards. And I feel like the majority of us might pretend like we don't have a problem. We just continue to work with the banks or glorify projects that do. I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, the ETF thing. I've, I've been bearish on ETFs for nearly two years now. First of all, there's no way that ETFs can be approved while there's an investigation to price fixing for Bitcoin. I mean, that's just crazy. The government's not going to approve that. So. The crypto ETF, ETF is not going to happen anytime soon for the U.S. It might have, I mean, Switzerland's approved it. That's great. You know, good on them. But the U.S. is going to be pretty conservative in approving ETF because at the moment, moms and pops like want to get exposed to this stuff. It's, it's the worst. Now, look at the price of Bitcoin. Look at the fluctuations in one year. Look at the gyrations. You really think that, a, that like government agencies can approve this? Maybe? I don't, but I, I seriously doubt it. Yeah, I, I think I, I tend to agree with you. Um, in fact, Corey, I don't even think we really talk about ETFs that much, but yeah, I have to say we're, we're a ways off. Um, but, but another thing, like, you know, at the top of the interview, you said you were a Bitcoin OG. You're one of the pioneers on how to do an ICO the right way. Now, these things are tricky because there's no marketing blueprints. There's no roadmap for successful ICO at the time. How did, how did you utilize your expertise and knowledge to make sure that you didn't offer discounts, that you didn't go off the rails? kind of walk us through this because when the next waves of ICO happens, if it happens, perhaps it won't be a circus this time around. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if I look at what we did, I mean, first of all, no advertising, not a single ad, not a single, like we did no advertising at all. And that's, and then we looked at, you know, how do investment banks sell securities? And we did exactly the opposite. So the way investment banks sell securities is they offer discount prices or premium prices to their, to their best customers. They, um, you know, they, uh, they, they, you know, you can buy as much as you want. It's, it's kind of a, um, <laughs> like they have a very small, it's, it's a, normally a very small group that gets disproportionately, uh, um, uh, you know, benefit disproportionately from any sort of, any sort of sale. And our view was, this is just not how we want to do it. Um, we, we did very differently. 
We're going to make available to masses. At the time, it was the biggest token sale of all time. 10,000 people were buying into it. So we, we just, uh, I mean, I wrote a blog post about it and we all, all the details, but it was uh, kind of like an auction. Uh, no, sorry, it was, unlike, it was unlike an auction method where, you know, the, the, like we basically set a price and we distributed as fairly as possible to as many people as possible. Okay, I'll definitely share that in the show notes. Um, yeah. Corey, you have anything to add on that front? Yeah, I mean, I did a lot of I did a lot of distribution analysis of early ICOs uh, to see like where the money was going. And although it the or at least the early ICOs and a lot, a lot of the later ones massively increased the inclusion of who could contribute to these types of things, the actual um, influence of the contributors was still limited to a small subset of people. Did you see the same thing? Like it's like the majority of the tokens was going to a small number of people, and so although people were being included, they didn't really have much of a say in, in the like traditional way of like distribution analysis. Can you have anything, did you experience the same thing and, and did you set out to change that or just it's a, it's a consequence of how money flows? Um, no, we want to make sure that as many people as possible can benefit from it. So as they benefit from it, they can get access to it. Like there were a ton of people on the day in our queue with 50,000 people trying to buy these tokens. And I think no, there was no preferential benefits to anyone. So not all sh like shareholders, like part people of the company, no one could benefit from this. This was very much a as fairly as it was done. Look, there was no guidebook. There was no there was no um, um, you know, oh, how should I say? Like there were no rules around this at the time. So for us, it was it was really about how do we do it as fairly as possible given the lack of information we have on how to do this. And now that you have all these shareholders, or not even shareholders, people who hold tokens, um, that the majority of people who hold tokens are for doing so for prop, like for for hopeful benefits of profits later on, and they don't really have a say in how that money gets used. And so you have all of these very very cash rich projects without the um, guidance of VCs and, and early stage investors to help them go through and do things uh, um, reasonably and to, to evaluate the things that they're doing to make sure they're good. Like, how do you see all of these ICOs that are very cash rich moving forward when they don't have anybody to be beholden to. They don't have to answer consequences on something. They don't have someone to help them uh, build a solid business if they have good tech. Like, they're, they're, I'm seeing this as a very big issue right now. Yeah, I mean, the, look, there are consequences. Like for us, it was um, we want to make sure that we did this token. So we actually paid our taxes, by the way. So we, we paid taxes on, uh, on our token sale, which is very much unlike every other ICO we, we've seen. We, we, we declared it as income. We paid taxes to, to the IRS uh, for it. So it was very much a, you know, was, so, was not, you know, you, look, you, if, you, if, you, if you don't pay taxes, you can't say it's not a security, in my opinion. Like, if it's, if it's a security, then you don't pay taxes. When you take investment from an investor, you don't take, pay taxes. Um, when you sell something and you pay income taxes, it's, you know, then it, like our, our position, we spoke to our lawyers, and our position was that this is a software license that we're selling, and therefore we're not going to, uh, we're going to pay our income taxes on it. And I think there's only one other ICO that I know of that actually had that approach. Yeah, that's pretty good. And they, uh, and, 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 they, and they took it from us. They want to see us. And yeah. he, he, he agreed and he said, you know what? That's probably the right way to do it. Well, so like, th there's lots of nuances that I can go through. But we, we, made, we, we did so many things that we think was uh, in the best interest of, like, because there was no guidance on how to do this and no one knew better, we figured, well, let's just do, do it you know, in the nicest, cleanest way we possibly can. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's that's an approach that I think a lot of people respect because I mean, nobody 
knows how to do this. You know, I think they might look back at your ICO as like the building blocks and how to do it right. So take my hat off to you. Um, I know we're, we're a little bit pressed for time. So I, I have to ask you about security. Uh, Corey here is a security engineer. Um, I recently got hacked by, and I lost my, my Google account, you know, and how big is Google, right? I had a, had a hard time recovering an email that I've had for 15 years. And then it kind of dawned on me, like, how do I verify who I am? How do I, how do I prove who I say I am as, and as I'm going through the process of verifications, I realize that even though I've had this email for 15 years, like Google doesn't know me. They don't know my face. They don't know the name of my kids. They don't know my likes and dislikes. Like this has to be a fundamental flaw in security. And like Corey was telling me like, oh, you know, just use UV keys and two-factor authentication. That's that's really all you can do. But like, why can't there be like a human element to security? Why doesn't trust scale that well? Well, I mean, Dan did the research on this, a social scientist, and he found that that you only trust up to 150 people, like in your life, like uh, around you. So if you uh, trust, it doesn't scale. People can't build meaningful relationships across 150 people. And so, um, you know, the, the trust that Google puts in, like, you know, it depends on how much, how, how much do you trust Google uh, to keep your information safe and how much of your personal information you're going to give to them. And, you know, look, and this is not a Google, I mean, I think all the big companies right now, they, with the exception of Apple, I think Apple does a pretty good good job overall, and they because they you know they don't really have an advertising model, so they they don't really care uh, about all the, your, owning your data. They they want to give you the tools to make the right decisions and, and what whatnot. So I I think I'm more complimentary on Apple. The the other companies in the space, quite frankly, they have uh, you know whether they want to argue it or not, they have conflicts of interest. It's as simple as that. Like you can argue they don't, but they do. Uh, you know, and they can argue they don't, but they do. And so, like the the world, the willingness to fix the problem just isn't there. Like economic benefit for them to fix the problem isn't there. So why would they? Isn't that the whole point of of building these types of systems, these trustless systems? Is because if we're if we're fundamentally limited to only only maybe trusting a certain amount of people, building trustless systems helps us scale how we interact with the world and, and scale out that trust. I mean, Bitcoin is a, a, a trustless system and is the first one that allowed you to in, like inter- stop offloading that trust to humans and start offloading that trust to a system of rules and math. And as we figure out how to do that better, we can then scale out better. Isn't that, isn't that kind of the point? That's what, that's how I see it. Oh, we agree, but remember, we're talking about there's two different, there's two parts of the equation. One is the old God, and what, what do they want? Uh, and then it's the new God. So yeah, yeah, what we're trying to do is, like, in some respects, we're, you know, we're trying to build a new, the new establishment in crypto. We want the new establishment to take over all ones, but the old ones have got such critical mass that, you know, this is where, like, the real question is, can we get, um, um, you know, like, does antitrust come into play at some point in the, in, in the way that the, your data is out there and, Controlled by a few big, you know, monopolies of, of this data. Uh, does antitrust play a role? I don't know. I mean, there's always talk about that right now. Um, can crypto solve the problem? Absolutely. The, the, the tools to solve these problems are there. The economic benefits for these companies to actually make the leap forward is just not there. They, they, they don't want you to be in control of your data. Like it's just, it's just not it's a good business for them to be in where, where they don't have access to data and they can't profile and give you better advertising and and make more money. It's just why would they? Am I making sense? Well, I think it's daunting for us because Bitcoin has been around for 10 years now and the the issue of user identity being leaked and sold hasn't been solved yet. And I think everybody just thought it would be. Well, Well, it's just it's that old guard, right? It's we're we're fighting to to gain, you know, mind share and use of people who don't want to give that up. 
the, I mean, look, let's talk about Bitcoin for a second. The, 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 the priority is with Bitcoin has been the censorship-resistant money and not the store of value. Uh, sorry, the store of value hypothesis and not anything else, really. So, uh, the, guess what? The engineering efforts gonna be, are going to be you know, pushed towards that angle. Like th that's, what, that's what people are going to be using Bitcoin for in the future. So, Bitcoin can't be expected to solve that problem. So, that something, else in, you know, something else in crypto needs to solve that problem. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Corey, you you want to hit him with the ten words? Uh, I know we're we're approaching the uh, thirty minute mark. Here. Yeah, sure, sure. But thanks. First off, thanks for coming and joining us. Yes, for a bit of your time. I know you're busy. Uh, we have one more question for you, which is uh, something we ask all of our guests in, in some form or variation. We're kind of changing up on you because we know you are a uh, a Bitcoin IG, and I think people can can definitely look you up and figure out your sentiments towards how you feel about Bitcoin. So, in ten words or less, can you describe Ethereum? Um, a multi-purpose, you know, smart contracting uh, platform exploring alternative crypto strategies. I don't know how many words is that? <laughs> I, I, have to, I have to get my hats off because you actually tried to do less than 10 words. More often than not, people just yeah. go on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. I, I mean, Ethereum. We just to go back to history. I mean, you know, Vitalik wanted to build it on Bitcoin. He couldn't get the opcodes enabled for it, so he built Ethereum. And I think some of the features and functionality in in Ethereum is definitely, um, you know, stuff that Bitcoin itself can't do. So it's it's a very you know, useful tool out there, and it's enabled not loads of new innovation. And, and and I was always bearish on Ethereum, but I was bearish on Ethereum for you know replacing money and payments. And I still think Ethereum sucks for payments, so I'm not going to retract that. I think it's the worst payments. It's worse than Bitcoin by far for payments. Um, but for things like smart contracting and, and like ERC-20 tokens and stuff like that, that functionality is just not being made a priority on, on Bitcoin. So it has to go somewhere. I mean, the world needs this, this sort of technology. So Ethereum is a good contender, but it may not be the only one. Or it isn't the only one. Well, that's always things that we could talk about the next time you come by. We, we really appreciate you making time for us and shout out to your team for mediating this whole process. Uh, you know, we're big fans of you guys and uh, thanks again. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Take care. All right. And that was the interview with Vinny Lingham. That was a short shark. one. It's a short one. And he talks very fast. He's Actually, like, I found myself also apologize for the sound. I was on Thanksgiving holiday kind of in a family emergency situation in a place that was loud so it was difficult but uh yeah. he talks fast and then i found myself like matching his pace and talking fast and like yeah there was no like <laughs> there's no time to think in a situation like that you're just you're just you're just talking so like yeah. the conversation we're having now i don't feel is a conversation you can have with a person like Vinny Langham. no you can't it's, he, I uh, go ahead, Jello. He's always used to, when he talks about crypto. He's always used to being on a stage and then having a, an allotted time or having so like a very defensive stance. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I found I find executives um, in most situations are kind of like rappers. Like in the otherwise, I'm making that um, that connection is because if you ever look at rappers, they're quote unquote freestyling. Like whenever you see them, like this is a yeah. so and so freestyle, but it's like those aren't freestyle. No, they, they made that shit up for yeah, freestyling are, time. Yeah, those are rhymes that they've made up and they've kept memorized in their little m rhyme 
library in their head. Well, they also and like they, they, just they, they have from it. They they have yeah like bits and pieces that they can put in various circumstances, but they always have, you know the, their ability to bring in the, the immediate surroundings makes it makes it more of a freestyle right they'll start talking about you know give me say say pencil and they bring that into the rhyme and make it creative then then they're freestyling but they most of the shit that they're saying is just like stuff they have stored in their head for freestyle time yes that and they the better rhymers can freestyle about more things but i think like certain cadences and certain analogies and stuff they just have those just because the only reason i could think about this is because a lot of jazz musicians do that they they memorize certain progressions and then they only expand on those progressions that they know so like they're like all right that chord works i'm going to see how many different chords that how that progression works i'm going to see how many different chords that that works with and i'm going to just change the rhythm a little bit i'm going to change the microphone went out oh it's back yeah but yeah i don't know unless you're black thought that nine minute free did, nobody saw that let's get back I've to seen, <laughs> yeah let's get sorry for you know um but i think most ceos do that they just like they have responses memorized in their head and they just find a thousand different ways to say the same response well they have their core belief they have their belief systems and it's not going to change you, you know what i mean they're not going to it should, though. It, it should. That's, that's the thing. It's like when you have conversations interview. with people, it's a way to see someone else's perspective and expand your viewpoint so that you can, like, you can assimilate it into how you view the world and have a better yeah. viewpoint of the world. I mean, if I'm promoting a movie and I go to Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel and Seth Meyers, it's all going to be the same interview, just wrapped up differently. Right. You're trying to you're trying to put out a message, and if you have yeah, a certain brand or message you want to put out, then that that messaging typically stays the same. But if you're being a human and having a conversation with somebody. That's not how you operate. Yeah, I recently was I recently was given a new perspective on bullying. Changed my mind on it. I used to think kids that are being bullied and complain about it nowadays are just a little bit more bitch made than kids were <laughs> than, than we were when we were kids. But then somebody told me they were like, "Okay, when we were kids, you had a bully." I still remember the guy's name. His name was Corey Summers. He was an ass. Good name. But it was it was a bully, right? So one time a day you had to confront the bully and either you were going to win or he was going to win, whatever. But nowadays, because of cyberbullying, you one time a day, it's not one time a day. It's tens of thousands of bullies any time of the day that could just destroy your psyche at a time in your life when your psyche is dependent upon the your social circle. So, yeah, now I'm like, yeah, bullying's bad. That could really hurt humans a lot if like you get on the line and 30,000 people are calling you a piece of shit and you're like oh wow 30,000 people you're a piece Those of shit for people. saying on the line <laughs> get on the line yeah <laughs> that's, that's how you say i'm gonna give you a quality dose of cyberbullying so you never say that again can you guys cyberbully me into a point where i never say that again yeah. i'm not bitch made so i can handle it there's but... a reddit thread called like roast me where you where you post a picture of yourself and then you, the internet just roasts you Ooh. I kind of want to do that. It's pretty yeah. good. Pretty good. <laughs> I I'm at least going to go watch it. Uh, so we were talking about kind of something along this line. Not really. It's more like the Vinnie Lingham line earlier. Um, during the during the break, during our, our five-minute break between the, the, the front round table and the back round table. And that is like the like, – who you were having this conversation about like the top ten artists – 
and we made it we tried to make that analogy to bitcoin or crypto the crypto space go ahead and explain to people what you're talking about yeah so if you take like you know laura shin and the a pumps and you know the the loud mainstream voices of media and journalism in the space it doesn't equate to quality content i don't know more, i don't know if you can throw laura shin in there i think she has uh, quality content i've never listened to her show <laughs> she has um, really good content maybe so but i've never does she warrant the success that she has who knows yeah that's that's always subjective uh so forbes came out with the list of highest paid women in music you know you have taylor swift beyonce pink lady gaga rihanna jennifer lopez the usual suspects you don't even need to read the list you know but if i tell you are those the best musician the best musicianship in the world probably not they're machines you know Katy perry has a writer makeup artist uh, a dance choreographer uh producers that make her music and she's just the face she's the machine and she pumps it out and that's how i view these people that's how i view a pop someone writes his tweets someone feeds him thoughts someone produces his podcast and creates his artwork and i mean he's good but well, like i was i was saying this thing like you know there needs to be somebody who just constantly relays information and that they're not doing there needs to be, I'm not saying these are those people, but there needs to be people that exist. There always will be people that exist that just relay information that's already been said. They're not doing anything novel because new people need to come in and learn the same things that the people who have already been in already know. Mm-hmm. And so in order for them to do that, there needs to be avenues in which they do it because they can't always find the old stuff that we used to, to understand it, or there's a better way of doing it. And so the craft is shaping information to new users in ways that are better than the ways that already existed. And they're the ones that go on talk shows and say the same shit that everyone in the space already knows. And so like you're, like you're saying, like they're not doing anything novel or really thinking for themselves or pushing the boundaries. They're, they're just relaying information and those people will always exist. So who is it? But who is it in the space? Like, I mean, how easy it is to find their show. If I'm trying to find a crypto podcast, and I'm going in cold, I'm going in blind, I'm gonna find Unchained, probably. In fact, I was telling you, we, uh, when we were flying back from Prague, and I shit you not, there was a little infotainment on the on our back seat, and there was a podcast section, and Unchained was one of the six podcasts that you could listen to on this infotainment on our airplane, which, mm-hmm. is, a, which is crazy. So it's not about better content, it's about accessible and well, Katie's we're Perry's not. We're is not. way more accessible than the indie musician who plays at the local bars down the street. You're right. And so, but I, I'd say now, although we set out to be the entry point of um, crypto for podcasts, we're not that. Like people who like us understand the space pretty well. We yeah. give color commentary on shit people understand. We like bring new ideas, but at a level that requires some some initial knowledge. Like my family listens to me, and they stop listening because they don't understand what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And so, we, I, in that sense, we failed to become the entry point for people in crypto because we don't explain new concepts ever, or or re-explain the concepts ever. Like if someone were to say, like, "How do I learn about Bitcoin?" I'm not pointing them to my show. If I want, if someone says like, how do I say entertained in the crypto space? I point them to our show. Yeah. Or like, yeah, how do I, true. how do I do like, you know, massive deep dives in audible form? All right, go to hashing it out. That's a good place to learn about how the tech actually works. But if, if someone were new, guess what? I'm not pointing them to. Yeah. 
Well, I don't want to take episode two and bring it into 2018 and regurgitate the same information. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. People need to, that needs to exist. People need to yeah. continuously keep saying that type of stuff. Yeah. yeah. We're not yeah, going to do yeah. it because it's boring as all hell. <laughs> it's basically like being a professor, but like not getting paid. Yeah, every <laughs> that's year. pretty much what it's like. It's like, here's this uh, fucking curriculum that I've built up that I got to repeat all the time and i gotta make sure people understand all the time but i'm doing it i'm gonna ask the same questions over andreas said that right he's like he has a continuous loop yeah yeah Mm, that's gotta be kind of groundhog day that's gotta be kind of i think i'd lose my shit to kind of explain (laughs) this so many times and you're a new human so like you you need either to have like this incredibly strong ideological vehicle that motivates you to keep driving around in circles yeah in order to do something like that, or you're getting paid. That's the only two reasons to do it. <laughs> what if it's you keep driving in circles? I just imagine somebody going hard in the paint doing donuts in a parking lot. <laughs> I love that shit. Uh, like the whole community knows who he is now. Like, oh, that's Dale. He does donuts in the parking lot. But you ever want to learn how to do donuts? You ever learn how to do donuts in the parking lot? Go over there. Dale man. is your man. Show you. Well, that's how I felt about Andreas. Like, he didn't get paid until, what, like, that large donation. But up until that point, he still had that six-month revolving door of new people. How was he able to, A, sustain himself, B, come out with new products and videos instead of his content just getting regurgitated on syndication? I mean, that's what I mean. Like, he had an incredibly – he still has an incredibly strong motivational vehicle – to drive him through that when he wasn't getting paid for so long. And he, don't be wrong, he was living on Bitcoin. He was traveling, getting paid for his talks. But mm-hmm. it wasn't a lot. And a lot, of those, yeah. a lot of his wealth came from the price rise. But now that it's down, I mean, who knows how? Like that million that he made, probably ain't a million anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. Mine ain't. That's for damn sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Um, uh, what do you think Dave Carlson's up to nowadays? Now that Gigawatt is done, there's I don't know. There's so many people that are just like twiddling their thumbs and be like, "Man, that was a that was dumb." <laughs> some people are trying to outright disappear. I guarantee you that. Like, there's just gonna be some people that we heard of. Um, maybe that could be like a little mini book we do one day. Like, hey, whatever happened to, or, you know, like you see those articles on the internet sometimes. Like, did you ever wonder what happened to? the guy with the glasses from the sand lot you're like no i didn't but now that you mentioned it, <laughs> i kind of want to know where he is now yeah i was like oh he owns a food truck weird yeah that I, was, would I be... was like i was like if richard jacobs isn't talking about crypto anymore then what is he doing so i went to his podcast and he's talking about farming and cancer research and geodes and all this weird shit and i'm like oh he's He's is he is he trying to find like another audience to throw a conference for that doesn't understand the concept but really 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 rationally exuberant about it? Well, the name of the podcast was future was future tech podcast. So he figured if he pivoted, he could still keep the name of his podcast and still talk about future tech. Oh, maybe he's just maybe he's just genuinely interested in the things that people are hype about and wants to figure out why. Well, before it was one hundred percent crypto. Yeah, it was one hundred percent crypto, so he could write that book. Remember? Yeah. so yeah, you have Dave Carlson, you have that guy, uh Juan Chain, founder and president, he's gone. Um mm-hmm. you know, 
your your former employers uh d i'm not gonna blast them out but gone disbanded gone Gone. Gone. Uh, algebraics who i work for they don't know what they're doing they're gonna be gone soon the only reason why they're not gone is because the old ceo has a lot of capital but he's gonna be homeless soon and his wife won't be happy. Ouch. If I had one of those little mixer things where the, I would push the button and it would play another one bites the dust. Yeah. And we, we would do that. Yeah. Or the the price is right uh, sad music. I'm going to I'm going to um, find a way to bring a mixer into this. So the the it's book that, the book that we're publishing though already has like a graveyard of CEOs. Oof. Maybe you should maybe you should put a little tombstone on all the ones that are gone. Yeah, in the book. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to Oh, your mic's gone. See you later, D. Look at that. This a quiet, quiet yelling in you the video. I'd like, and then you heard that matrix noise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't make the matrix noise. I'm not good at modulating. Uh, so that book is going to be launching real soon, man. When? It's going to be good. Um, by Christmas. We're gonna. Ha- I, I'm going to have a book by Christmas. Yes. Am I going to have a book by Christmas? Yes. Nice. Put it on my coffee table. Although it's not a coffee table book. No, it's small. It's it's a smallish book. It's not in scope, but in size. Oh shit! We're gonna have books. Books. Have a holly jolly Christmas in this month. I'm gonna give them to everybody, and those are the shitty Christmas presents that all my family's getting. Ooh, that's a that's a great way to not have to give out Christmas. Aaron's like, what are we going to buy everybody for Christmas? It's like nothing. We're going to give them my book. <laughs> yeah. Make them read it. You think Andreas does that? He just gifts everybody his book. I would. Follow Andreas. Like, you need to read this. Oh, Learn man. this. That's a way to set up a reputation in the family right there. I'm pretty like, sure I have about like a hundred ether cards lying around here somewhere. Like, With give money somebody. in it? Yeah. Well, they don't have any money on them now. They're basically just paper wallets. They can load up. Oh, okay. I have some D dollars laying. Oh, they're actually in my backpack, actually. I don't know what that is. Uh, I just made paper wallets and put my face on it. <laughs> <laughs> How much money's on them? Like, um, shit, at the time, at, I made them $5 worth of ETH in the middle of last summer. Oh, okay. So, I don't know. You guys do some backwards math on that. Okay. So, they got up to being kind of expensive. And then I gave one of my cousin-in-law's a whole ETH last year. Yeah, I remember that. And then it went way up in price and he started feeling guilty. And he was like, are you, dude, are you sure you don't want me to give this back? And I was like, I mean, no. <laughs> I kind of yeah, want it back. Like, you want to give me, yeah. just, just keep what I gave you in terms of fiat and give me the rest back. Well, if he didn't cash out, I'm sure he's feeling a little less guilty right now. Yeah, yeah now he's like, man, you gave me this fucking bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I saw I saw a lot of the Thanksgiving posts and on Reddit that were like, man, last year if you got your family to invest, they're going to be upset with you this year. So get ready for that. <laughs> yeah. I just got a couple of those texts yesterday, like the, hey, uh, should I be selling? And I was like, ooh. Talk to your financial. Oh, there goes D's voice. Your it, just, it, it, it discredits us from talking about anything else. Like 
uh, Thanksgiving two years from now, you'll be like, hey, guys, the, the PlayStation 5 looks really good. And they'll be like, shut the fuck up. We're not listening to you anymore. <laughs> your, advice, your, your advice is good for three months and then it's yeah. over. <laughs> We're not listening to you anymore. Yeah. My parents, I think, I think my family's still surprised that I'm in the space still and not worried about it. They're like, are you sure you're not worried about it? Because, like, you know, I've, I've been watching the, the value of what you told me to invest in. I think it's, I think it's going down the drain. It's like, they're just. I don't want to think, whatever. I'll see you in a couple of years. <laughs> we'll see. Even that, I mean, it's been a good run. Got a few jobs out of it. Some notoriety. I got a, I got a sweet job, and it's not going anywhere. I yeah. hope. Let me tell you something about <laughs> I hope. I hope next year, you. it's like, I'm like, yeah, that job was fun, but it didn't That's last. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Famous That's like Pete movie. Davidson saying, yeah, me and Aria Grande, forever. It's going to be forever. <laughs> Man. Let me tell you something about Microsoft Surfaces. That's why my fucking mic keeps going out. You sure it's the Surface? I'm pretty sure it's the Surface. It's the connection. This USB connection is all loosey-goosey. Like, I can wiggle it around. I don't even know. USB connections. Yeah, that's true. In an Apple world, you just (laughs) get whatever they tell you to get. I have a lightning cables. Yeah. Dongle. Dongle fever. Yeah. Maybe we should wrap up before my can, mic drops the 50, we can wrap up on dongle time. fever once you uh give the people what they want and tell them how they consume us because they're already listening to us they don't know yeah so shout out to the very few new youtube subscribers we have we're syndicating our stuff on youtube now which we sh- probably should have been doing for four years but whatever yeah nothing, nothing changed in the technology that didn't allow it that allows us to do it now we just didn't do it we didn't click the buttons yeah. so yeah see us uh <laughs> anyway. Lorshin. We know yeah. we're on so the tail. So we're syndicating there <laughs> and we have get this guys a ten thousand percent increase in people watching our YouTube or listening to are it. You're doing like a, a are you doing like the, the, the bundle thing? You're just like you went from went from one to twenty. Yeah. Sit down. Okay. Yeah. But, but the percentage Exploding increase in that growth. is explosion. Yeah. The thing I don't get is that YouTube gives you great analytics. So people are only listening to our show for 20 minutes. Yeah, you the actually get you 20 get, minutes. You get timing of YouTube. So if they're only listening for the first 20 minutes, they're missing like a lot of our show. I think they're only listening crazy. to the interview, right? Well, the, no, fir- no, no. the first they're 20 minutes is certainly not the first, first 20, 20 minutes. minutes. They're just listening to us bullshit. Oh. And they're like, when are they going to talk about crypto? And they finally, they finally, after 20 minutes, are like, they're not. Okay, I'm going to move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's what's happening. So maybe if you if you guys are, well, you're not going to hear this. But if you are listening on YouTube, <laughs> just <laughs> listen to the whole thing. Because then you actually get some crypto talk in there well for the, the for the people that like there's a there's a subset of people who listen to podcasts to absorb information about something they're interested in as you know efficiently as possible right they're using time that they have to listen to something and pay attention to it while they're doing something else to learn we don't provide that service efficiently because there's a there's an there's an entertainment aspect to what we do we're having fun doing this we're not just trying to like put nuggets of information back to back so that people can absorb something as very very quickly that's not what yeah. we're doing and my message to all those people is like have there's a fun. reason why <laughs> there's a reason why comedy movies have turned listening to audio things into a meme it's not going to change your fucking life all right you're you need to actually read books to change it like 
get the fuck out. I don't know, man. I learn a lot when I listen to podcasts and books and stuff like that. Yeah. But like, I ain't listening to us to do that. Uh, every time I hear somebody, I th- I see what was that show on HBO? The the guy who was a major league baseball player and then like was an alcoholic, so he got kicked out and then went to the high school back to his hometown. The fuck to, are you talking about? I'm talking about the the show. Like it's got Masterson. Eastbound and down. Yeah, Eastbound and down. When he was in his car listening to his own self help book, <laughs> yeah. audio book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, that's, that's what how I'm you like. feel whenever you're listening to us. Yeah, it's like I hate when people are like, "I read a hundred books a month on Audible," and it's like that's not reading. You're listening. You're just you're just entertaining yourself. Why not? That's, not? that's why not. Why is that not reading? Because it's not literally reading. There's different like. Well, it's the same. It's getting the same information. The brain. It's getting the same information just through a different you're channel. Entertaining yourself. No, that's the same listening to an watch. audiobook is not. It can be entertaining, but depending on the content you're listening to, can be incredibly informative, just as reading is. If I watch movies with subtitles on, does that just mean that, like I've read a thousand scripts? Yeah, man. Congratulations. You're a script reading <laughs> motherfucker right there. <laughs> that is a perfect analogy, D. <laughs> yeah, your your argument so is script? dumb, D. Well yeah. look here, I've I don't I don't go to Coindesk, I don't go to Cointelegraph, I don't read anything, I don't listen to no crypto podcasts, but I've heard every one of our shows and I think I'm pretty knowledgeable, and that's because I've listened to you guys. D is a or cello is a maximalist on TBP. I've listened to every show. It's pretty good. I cannot say that <laughs> whatsoever. Well, I've heard it in real time. I don't go back and like oh, okay, 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 it. okay. That's different. Right. And yeah, I've listened. Like, I've to heard it. this episode right now as we record it. <laughs> I'm gonna go read 15 books today. I'm gonna put my Audible on 5x, soak in all that fucking knowledge. It's the same Maybe. content, so it's literally the same. Things don't work like that, man. This is the Matrix. You don't just plug in and get knowledge just siphoned straight into your brain. You got to read the book. No, you don't. You can, you can listen to a book and get, get the same information as reading it. Are you, you going to be outside of libraries with a save library sign? Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah you, I might as fucking well. All right. You got to read <laughs> the book. All right. You got to. You're like There's an old man internet. pointing his hairdryer at cars going by too fast in the front yard. Like, get the fuck out of here. Fire off when you're actually reading and you're forced to take those symbols on the page and form an image in your head. It's more sustainable. There's permanence there. Instead of somebody just yapping some Maybe for you. Out. Maybe you're a visual learner. Maybe someone is an audible learner and they take the things better through, through audible. If you listen to this, come in our Slack. Let us know your thoughts. Yeah, tell D's stupid. Come in Slack. Tell D's stupid. Yeah. I get told I'm stupid a lot. I'm, I'm <laughs> Mostly by me, that. actually. <laughs> Very used to it. I've been, I've been uh, shooting down your ideas for since we've known each other. It's all good. Some of them shine, though. Like yeah. this podcast. Touche. Um, well, um, that's it, guys. You can find our shit on the, on the BitcoinPodcast.com. We do a lot of shit, man. I'm tired of saying it every week. Hey, why don't I just create a website, findourshit.com, and it's got all of our shit on there. Yeah. Uh, the website? It just goes to the website because that's where everything is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll buy findourshit.com. It goes to our website. That has to exist. I'm checking. Hold on. That has to already exist. I don't think you can have curse words in your URL, can you? Yeah. Well, find out shit doesn't, doesn't work. Apparently, I have to put that. Uh... I guess you can't.
Findourshit.com does not exist. Well, there we go. We'll camp on that shit. Um, so uh, the Bitcoin uh, medium.com slash the Bitcoin podcast blog. It's not a blog. It's a publication. We have these like we. And your mic's gone. All right, we're out. Oh, <laughs> you know what? Fuck it. All right, play. Play. Shout out to Zoe Saldana. Zazie Beats. Play. Oh, wait. You're actually making fun of this shitty microphone situation. My bad. Play. You sound like Rihanna. Play. The outro.